0: Baby Peluca in the deep blue sea, swim so wild and you swim so free. Heaven above and the sea below, and a little white whale on the go. I catch myself with Rafi on the on the in the car that the kids were in the car and it's just on and I don't even clue into it. It's on. I'm driving to work and I'm my head to Rafi most
1: mornings. So. I guess the real problem is that when you start singing it in meetings for Boat Rail. That's when it'll start being a real problem Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Which I'm yeah. sure will come no, up it's
0: always, it's always there, they want it all the time uh, You know Yeah, there's still, I got four young kids And that's that's all we listen to, there's a lot of Rafi Busy, so.
1: busy, busy, welcome to the show Guys, yeah. good to have you guys on Thank the show you. Thank you. you, you guys are in Edmonton We're in Toronto, we're going to have a conversation About something that you came up with Which uh, we met briefly at the, the Concrete Expo, and we got chatting About it, I saw it at the corner of my eye And I was like, okay I need to know a little bit more about it. And then we started talking and it was an interesting story. So here we are now. We're going to be talking about it. So let me uh, let me let everybody know who we're talking to. So we're talking to Mel and Arda from Boat Rail, BoatRail.com. You can reach out to them at sales at BoatRail.com or Arda at BoatRail.com. And Mel, Jarecki, Jarecki? Sorry. Yes. Jarecki, yeah, J-A-R-E-C-K-I at the uh, doc, oh, sorry at boatrail com, and then you guys are all over LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook under BoltRail. and uh, I guess basically we're going down a structural engineer path there on this on this show. We're gonna talk a little bit of you're making the industry easier for a lot of people, guys. That's what you guys are basically doing, right? Yeah. That's what we're trying to do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me do some quick shout-outs. I'm wearing uh, Gary Mayer's Mayer's Carpentry T-shirt. I wear a different person's T-shirt every time I do a show, so I can give them a little shout-out. But I also want to do a, a couple other shout-outs for some guys. Uh, first up is Taha from the Crewman Group. Uh, enough respect for his crew and all the hard work they provide for clients and friends and family. Reach out to them on IG under at Crewmen Group. His number is 416-721-2348, and his email is CrewmenGroup8. Inc. at gmail.com. Enough respect for Taha and everybody else. Keep up the awesomeness. And of course, listen to their story right here on our show on show number 317, show number 202, and show his first appearance was show number 155. So, over to you guys. Where do we want to begin? Where this, uh, I mean, this is a new story, right, guys? Fairly young. A, a new, Well, fairly young yes. story.
0: It, it is, yeah. So, we, uh, We actually started manufacturing it uh, at the end of 2019, Uh, and then as 2020 started, the pandemic hit and and put a big damper on our ability to, you know, trade shows and stuff were canceled. So, uh, you know, once the lockdowns were uh, lifted last year, that's when we first really started to market this thing and show this thing. Although, uh, you know, we were having, you know, sales and some usage uh, in Alberta and around Alberta. Uh, but we weren't able to get it really in front of people for a couple of years there with the, with the lockdown. So
1: was that um, frustrating they- for you guys that you had this pen to paper sketch idea, you had a prototype, you were ready to go to market and then market was telling you not to come to market yet. Was that frustrating or did it give you an opportunity to fine tune it?
0: I uh, know it was frustrating. I mean, fine tuning it. It took seven years to go from an idea. Oh wow. To a product. So if you know, um, it took several years to, you know, get the patents wrapped up. <clears throat> and then after that, it was four years of field trials and testing and, you know, developing it. And then when you're, when you're finally ready, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go into production with this thing. And we literally, we made our first batch of product and then the pandemic locked down everything. So, uh, but, you know, we, uh, we used LinkedIn and social media as much as we could to sort of reach out. We started getting some people using it during the pandemic. Uh, But again, it was unfortunate because we couldn't be on site, uh, you know, on the on the sites to see it being used or collect, you know, photos and videos. So we're kind of relying on the guys using it to do that. But now things are uh, lifted. We're going full steam ahead. So
1: So, seven years ago, what was the light bulb moment? Like, what was it that sparked you?
0: Well, I had uh, just come off of a week uh, where I had seen several projects go sideways uh, because of anchor bolt issues where the structures wouldn't over top of what was cast into the foundations. Okay. And schedules are out the window, cost overruns, everybody's fighting and pointing fingers. And, you know, it's it's pretty, pretty chaotic week. Um, and then that weekend I was assembling a barbecue for my dad and I was in the garage with the tools and I was pulling the pieces out of the box uh, of the, you know, out of the barbecue. It wasn't the, barbecue i was marveling at but it was all of the packaging that was holding all of the barbecue pieces in the box in perfect alignment in various shapes they had basically done what they could to minimize the box size and they crammed everything in odd shapes and angles and they had these formed paper you know same stuff as the starbucks trays yeah these formed formed paper things that held everything in perfect alignment in this box and i was marveling at these pieces i was pulling out strong and rigid and perfectly formed holding everything in place and i I said to myself, I said, geez, why don't we, why don't we have something that would hold anchor bolts in perfect alignment when we pour concrete, you know, and it was just, just literally the idea came to me instantly. I ran into the house and I started drawing it out and showing my dad I'm like, dad, dad, like I got this idea, check this out, you know, and uh, my dad has a bunch of patents on things he's invented. So he said, geez, he goes, I don't, I don't know construction, uh, but you know, it's not my industry, but geez, it looks interesting. He said, why don't you go talk to the patent lawyer I use? And so I spent some time developing the idea before I went and talked to him. But that's that's kind of how it all came about. was uh, a week of really, really bad, uh, you know, a lot of bad mistakes in anchor bolt setting, uh, followed by a few hours on tools where your mind starts to wander. I guess it was just, it was blank. And then it's just the pieces coming out of that box.
1: Was it literally like... Just scratches on a piece of paper at first, and trying to figure out—that's yeah. yeah. how it was, right? So that classic moment, and then you started yeah. taking some lumber, some material, and started working it. Well,
0: oh, actually, yeah, actually, you know what? I I can show. I've got the very very first prototype. I'd love to see it. I would yeah. love to see it. Yeah. I, so it was a yeah proof of concept prototype. We were just trying to see how things would work and fit, and then of course the idea developed from there. But yeah,
1: I'll I do want to ask you, to like. Is that whole patent side of of achieving something very difficult? Because I know that I have a lot of respect for a lot of people that are in the industry. They're the ones that are boots on the ground, hands on the tools and working problems and trying to figure out better ways of doing things like yourselves. I mean, but they're intimidated sometimes about the business side, about the legal side, about going down that whole path and trying to figure out, I've got this brilliant idea, but I need to now secure this brilliant idea and then get it out to market without anybody else taking this brilliant idea. How was that whole experience
0: uh you know what it's it was a big learning experience that's what it was yeah. um i i would say i personally was not prepared for you know i when i got the idea i remember telling my wife that this is so easy i like, we'll be making this in two years uh you know so simple you know and and i was initially even thinking here i could write the patent i'll just go online and like watch some tutorials and stuff and then so but when i talked to the patent lawyer and I actually saw the patent that he wrote you start to realize there's a lot of like knowledge required there you know um it, it's written in, in a very strategic way you know it starts very broad to you know protect everything under the sun related to setting angles like it's very very broad descriptions that get more and more specific to your idea as the patent goes through so you know you're trying to you're closing off all the loopholes for somebody coming to come in and steal your idea right so yeah uh, in, in hindsight i'm glad i didn't write the patent because i wouldn't have done nearly a good job but it's not it's not overwhelming the the legal costs are a little bit high the patent application costs are not very high so it's not it's not cost prohibitive to get the idea uh but if you're paying somebody else to write the the patent for you there's some legal costs there that that can add up so
1: so quite the learning experience overall very much
0: so yeah okay Uh, i couldn't imagine how much uh, it's a very simple product but i couldn't even begin to tell you how much work it was to get it into production
1: So let's talk about what is the norm right now that we're trying to improve with your product, right? So how is it typically when you get trades coming in and they're doing that anchoring system, how are they doing it now? What are they expected to do it and how do they do it?
0: Well, this is the thing. Everybody does something a little bit different, right? So when I got the idea, you know, I, I was thinking, geez, like there's no real standardization for this task. And I've seen guys who build really, really good templates where everything is set perfectly and it's all vertical. And then I've seen guys do stuff with, you know, a, a single sheet of plywood with oversized holes. Nothing is straight when it goes in, when the concrete goes in. Right. So it's all over the, the gamut. There's no, there's no sort of standard set way that people do this. Right. And it depends so was, if
1: it's Monday or Friday too.
0: Yeah. And it <laughs> depends very much on the guy who's doing it, yeah. and how much time they have, yep. you know, what kind of costs they're trying to, cut you know things like that so there was this sort of uh feeling of well geez like i've seen everything and i've seen it done really well and i've seen it done really poor but when you do it really well it's very labor intensive uh you know it's complicated and tricky and you're putting all of this labor into building a template that you use once and throw away so you're losing this labor you know the labor is lost every time you build one of these things and then what's, what's being built, it's really hard to finish the concrete around, right? You're, you're building this thing out of two byes or plywood or both, and but you don't have any room to get in underneath it to finish the concrete. You you know They're building a template and they're having to cut a big hole in the middle just so they can push the concrete in down the middle and stuff like that. So um, you know, we were seeing all sorts of stuff like that. And I thought, geez, there's got to be a, a way to do something that's prefab, that's adjustable, but that would take that you know, labor intensive component out of it that would sort of standardize it, that would make it easy to use, you know, give lots of ability to get the concrete in and get the vibrators in and things like that. So that, that's kind of where this whole thing came out of, was could we, could we get, if we had everybody to use it, we'd have everybody setting anchor bolts at the level of the top guys who are building temp- really good templates from scratch. So that's where we we're trying to get to.
1: How was the very first on-site reaction? When someone was trying it for the very first time, how how was that experience?
0: Well, I I wasn't allowed on site,
1: so um, I delivered the product to their site. uh, Why why weren't you allowed? Why weren't you allowed on site? Well, okay, it was
0: three three months or something into the pandemic. Got it. Okay. uh, Yeah. So it was only the crew on site, and everybody was masked. But I was able to drop off the product, and then from a distance, I gave them a quick demo, and I left. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, uh, I got a call and they, you know, I was asked how many of these things do you have? And I told them how many I had, they said, okay, we're going to take half your inventory. <laughs> I said, oh, how did the use go? You know? And they said, well, we're going to, they, they shared an internal spreadsheet, uh, of how it went. So, yeah. And that was very interesting to see. So they, they had accomplished the task of setting anchor bolts, it was like 10 times faster. Uh, it was less than half the cost. Um, they got three to five reuses out of the product on the job, uh, you know, all, all these bonuses and benefits. So it's overwhelmingly positive. And, and we're, we're, you know, the, the other big thing was, uh, you know, they said they had way less surveying time because it went in so fast. So they saved money on surveying. Uh, and then the other really big thing was, they, it, was it was 384 anchor bolts that they set. And they didn't have to bend a single one of them straight after the concrete was, you know, after things That's were impressive, down. right? So, yeah. Everything was perfectly set. So, yeah. So,
1: can, so we, uh, can we take a look or do you have a sample there that we can actually? Yeah, I, I got s-
0: a sample here. I got a couple. Uh,
1: yeah. I want yeah. people to understand. I mean, first of all, they can go to your website and I'm sure that you've got some content yeah. on there that you can actually see it. But that's, well, that's basically what you've designed. Yeah.
0: So I I don't know if you can see the end here, but we got we got two support ends on this thing that sit on top of the forms. Yeah. But one end slides right. So this this sliding adjustability allows this thing to sit on a form, and you just cinch it up to the width of the forms. Whatever width form you have, this thing we make it in four different lengths. So
1: what's the longest slide, length that you have?
0: Uh, 50, fifty-five five inch. So okay. if you're doing a four-foot wide pour, four-foot wide concrete pour, we've got one that'll span your form and what's the shortest so 26 inch okay so and then i mean we we can do custom lengths as well it's just a matter of cutting this wood down to whatever length you want so if you were doing a job that required let's say a bunch of anchor bolts set along the edge of a concrete uh uh, bridge let's say to take that steel guardrail and you need you needed one that was 16 inches wide or 15 inches wide yeah, we can accommodate that for pallet size orders so uh, you know, it's very customizable, but the way, I mean, just the way it is with that adjustment, as long as you got one, that's longer than the width of your form, it'll sit on the form and then it'll cinch up to the side of your form. Yeah. And then these supports, they rotate so that you can get it on. You can catch an edge no matter what shape your that, form guys.
1: is. Yeah. I like that. So if you
0: have out of square forms or funny shape forms or whatever, this rotating ability will, uh, it will catch an edge. And then you got some holes in there. You just, uh, there's a sighting window there.
1: Yep. I see so it. So you
0: can find a survey mark, and then a, a couple of screws there will set it in place. Similar on this side, right? So you just find your survey marks. It literally five to seven minutes to hang four anchor bolts.
1: I know it's uh, such a simple idea, but it just like why haven't we had this sooner?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I actually, <laughs> when, I got the, uh, when I got the idea, I, I was, I convinced myself that somebody would have patented something like by this, this already. That, I
1: know yeah. the amount of uses for this is insane and now it's the amount of uses and i know what the other thing i was really impressed about when i first saw it is you have different diameters for your your bolts right
0: yeah so we've got these elements that will hold the bolts that slide within the rail and they set in place with a couple of uh, screws as well but these guys i mean you can snap these out and you can add more so if you're doing base plates that had six or eight or ten anchor bolts you can just keep adding more of the holders into the rail and then these guys i'm going to try and show you guys here but it's So it goes from a three-quarter-inch hole, and I can pop out one sleeve, and it goes to a one-inch hole. And I can pop out a second sleeve, and it goes to a one-quarter-inch hole. So I can do three different bolt diameters. And if you've got something intermediate between those sizes or a little bit smaller than a three-eighths, three-quarter-inch bolt, just a little bit of uh, masking tape wrapped around the bolt takes up the slack. So you can use it with five-eighths bolts and, you know, things like that, one and an eighth. So really the
1: flexible. the first prototypes that you designed I mean what is that that's form board that you're using isn't it is that
0: Uh this this is LVL LVL uh,
1: you're using LVLs
0: Yeah yeah it's very high quality it's extremely rigid
1: um exterior use protected yeah. weather protected yeah
0: Yeah so you know we wanted to use something we tested some materials this was really dimensionally stable uh, even when it got wet uh it takes a screw really well yeah. and it's it's uh because there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can use this product. Uh, even, uh, even taking the one support and setting it to a position and screwing it in and cutting off this excess portion, you can cut this down to whatever length you want. And because that's LVL, it's easy to do in the field. So if yeah. you were using, if you needed to um, slip this inside the form, so if you were pouring concrete low in your low in the form, you can custom length this just set the support where you need it um cut the excess off you just flip this around this way so you can slip it in the form and rest it on a ledge that you'd screw into the form we have photos of it on the website of of people using it like that so um really really flexible
2: and you have the space so when you put the vibrators in you can see what you can still work
1: it exactly so there's that space that's allowing you to do that so even in in tight forms you can still have access to everything
0: yeah, it's really, that's one thing we're hearing. It's easier to get the concrete in. It's easier to get the vibrators in. It's easier to finish the concrete around this. If you look at the support, the way it was designed, so this sits on on the edge of your form or on the whaler around your form. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you an inch uh, from the you know top of the form to the underside of this bolt rail to get in with a hand trowel and finish the concrete. Um, so you know that was not by accident. That was from consultations with the industry. And that, that's what they're saying is that they have trouble uh, finishing the concrete underneath the templates. And if we could design this thing with a little bit of a space underneath it, th- that would go a long ways towards, you know, making the usability and finishing the concrete better. So that's what we did.
1: So I'm thinking, I mean, obviously this is more for commercial and industrial applications, but there's still some times that you'll see it in a residential application that you might need this as well, depending on what we're building. Um, I'm hoping that you're probably working on something that we can make all of our concrete foundation guys put the J bolts in the right spot when they're doing regular that.
0: That's, that's what we're hoping for. You know, it's uh, a, <laughs> and, and you know, when you, when you start doing something like this, uh, you know, there's a, a, a lot of research and consultation with the industry. And, you know, once we had the patent, when we could talk about the idea and show them diagrams of what we were sort of designing, we started to hear all kinds of interesting things. Um, most guys, that do concrete work, they're counting on that they're going to bend anchor bolt straight. So at least some of them are going to go out of whack. And sometimes what happens is, uh, you know, they'll build the, build the template, the anchor bolt will be hanging there. And as the concrete goes in, the top may stay sort of where it needs to go, but the bottom may go out. So once, you know, you can't put that base plate down because, you know, the top is where it needs to be, but the bottom of the anchor bolt is out. Yeah. So as, as it comes down. So that's one issue that we've come across. Um, most guys are, uh, you know, spending some time at least after they pour concrete trying to straighten anchor bolts. Uh, so there's lost time in that. Um, you know, they, they put some nuts over the threads to protect them inside their sledgehammers or pipes to try and bend them straight. And there's a bit of a compromising of steel there. If you're, you're cold working that anchor bolt, you know, once the concrete cures, but the most concerning thing we've sort of come across is that sometimes what happens is that bolts go out when the concrete goes in and they just straighten them while the concrete's sort of wet. And depending on, you know, what's going on when you vibrate it, etc., you, you can end up creating voids around that anchor bolt. So, uh, you know, there's some quality control and safety issues associated with that, which we're, we're trying to, uh, eliminate those issues with this product.
1: There's a lot of so, pressure going on when it's an actual concrete pour, right. And you've got a lot of, you know, people going at the same task and then it's easy to forget and not, make sure that the bolts are straightened up but i mean now i'm looking at your product and it kind of just gets rid of all that it literally is part of the forming where it's like if the forming's straight then the bolt rail is straight then the bolts are straight then everything's straight then we actually move on to the next stage right
0: well we i mean we have the ability to get things straight even if the form is a bit out we have some uh, room to even level the bolt rail when we install it so um and that that's been a big hit with some of the guys who are using it. How as are well you as doing it.
1: that is it is it you can level it on a on a, pl- a plumb plane? Is that what you're talking about?
0: Yeah, we sometimes if the forms are sort of out yeah. uh, if they've shifted when we're installing it, we can just throw a level on it and before we screw in the sides, we can Oh, just you raise can adjust it. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So we can adjust it. So that that's really nice. Um, you, you know, there's another uh, advantage from a quality control perspective if something is out of alignment or out of position, it's really easy to fix. Uh, you know, we had uh, one guy installing and he just measured wrong and he had these things uh, out by an inch. And for us to fix the mistake was two minutes of undoing some fasteners, moving things and fastening it back down. Uh, but if you were, let's say, you had a, a template built from lumber and you've got a one inch diameter hole that's a half of an inch off of where it's supposed to be. New
2: template.
0: New template, right? Yeah, it's this is basically hard, what happens. to fill yeah. that out yeah Uh, but with this yeah it's a it's a one to two minute job to fix it so your last minute quality control survey checks you've got this great flexibility to adjust things on the fly right you know
1: and i know that you talked earlier about how a lot of the crews are reusing it and i could see it being reused unless you're just caking it you know with a bunch of concrete on it it's just i guess a mistake or whatever at that point but even at that point when you unsecure it remove it when the concrete's cured the next day or whatever You just tap it, I guess, with a hammer and all. Yeah, you
0: can yeah. Yeah. The guys who want to get a lot of uses out of it, they oil it like they would oil their formwork.
1: Okay. All right. So then the concrete doesn't even stick. Yeah. Which is great. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's proving to be um it just big efficiencies, big labor savings, huge schedule gain, better quality control. Cost Costings, uh, you know, at least you're not even buying the lumber to, to build the templates, right? So right off the bat, you're, you know, you're, you're starting to save um, less survey time. Uh, so you're saving money on surveying as well. We've heard some really uh, interesting things at the trade show. Uh, in yeah. yeah, we heard one guy. Why was guy, this
2: not here 20 years ago? I yeah. would have needed this.
1: Yeah. I believe that, totally, yeah. I mean, because now I'm I'm trying to think of when I'm looking at it and I'm trying to put myself in the position of actually using it, installing it, working it. I don't see anything negative. I don't see anybody, uh, like if you come across a tradesperson who says, ah, you know, we've been doing it this way for so long, it works. We don't really need that. Well, that's a useless tradesperson because they don't understand the value behind this. So there's nothing negative attached to this. Sorry? Basically, it's true. Yeah, it's
2: money, like even... I think you said there was a job where you finished earlier and everyone had to look busy for, I don't know, how many hours because they were done. They're like, I don't know how many That's my thought is I
1: I can see people using the bolt rail and I can see the concrete crews after the concrete's poured and everyone's just twiddling thumbs. They're having a coffee. They're chilling out.
0: (laughs) We had a a job. They used it at a remote site um, and they had budgeted two days of time for a crew of three to build templates and set anchor bolts in place. And that was when they bid the job. And then at some point they decided, hey, we want to give this a try. And so they they ordered some bolt rails from us. And instead of the two days they had budgeted, they were done in uh, less than two hours. (laughs) And so, but the problem was. um,
1: Were they they paid for the two days? They weren't paid for the two days.
0: They were on a remote site and there was no more material coming for two days because that's how they had scheduled it. Got it. And for two days now, on um, this remote site with, you know, they're on the client site and they had to look busy. So they kept um, just measuring over and over the placements. of the Just keep moving. Yeah. One company uh, told us um, they had got late access to a site and they got all the formwork up, but they were done. It was a smaller job, but they got it done right as the concrete was arriving and they hadn't built Like templates, but they had bolt rail and they were able to keep ahead of the pour. So while they were setting the bolts on one pile cap, uh, you know, like the the, while they were pouring one pile cap, they were able to set the next pile cap. And then while that pile cap was being poured, they were able to set the next pile cap. So literally
1: that's how fast we're talking about. How
0: fast they were going. Yeah. And they said that was uh if it hadn't been for the product, they would have had to cancel the pour. We've had a couple now where people said if it hadn't been for this product they would have canceled the poor or delayed the poor
2: and that so, gets expensive
0: yeah
1: well because well first of all you're already consuming the cost of the poor right like you got to start negotiating at that point because yeah. they can't use it anywhere else oh, oh okay. well in the
0: loss of schedule too manny like if you don't get i mean it's like a, a domino's when you when you or, you know schedule a construction job yeah. You pull out one of the pieces of you know, and everything stops, right? So
1: your I guess your primary feedback at the very early days was mostly from site supers and owners that were basically figuring out. Wait a minute, we just saved half a day, a full day, and we're ahead now of the schedule. Yeah. Uh, well,
0: we had like the very first job it was used on. They were they had budgeted I, somewhere in the one hundred to one hundred and fifty hour hours of um, template building and anchor bolt setting. Uh, they were done in about twelve hours.
1: That's insane.
0: So it's very significant, yeah. Plus
1: the, Plus wor- the work, the work.
0: Sorry.
2: Much uh, experience too, right?
1: Like you
0: said. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. We had we had a couple of guys who'd never built templates or set anchor bolts before in their lives set anchor bolts with this. Uh, you know, as long as you've got a surveyor working with you, saying you know, here's your center line. Uh, it's just so easy to put together. You know, the, you're just using a cordless screw gun. You're not. You're not building anything, it's ready to go. You just the time you would take to measure out a template or mark where things go, you've already set it while you're doing that. But so you, it's like you guys are measuring have, it and setting it at the same time. Yeah,
1: you guys have eliminated the guesswork of what the final product's gonna be. Yeah. You don't have to worry about oh, I hope that turned out well for the next crew that comes in starts anchoring. Right. Yeah. And, and it's more like, no, 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 it's turned out well. It actually works. Now we can move on to the next stage. I love yeah. that. I want to get into the nitty gritty of the actual product, but let me do a little bit of history and construction here. Um, I'm fascinated by history or engineering, right? So I wanted to ask you guys: Who was the very first engineer in the world, ever, outside of the Bible? If you want well, to get into God and you know, stuff I, like that. I but, mean, yeah,
0: no. I, I mean, I think <laughs> probably if I had to take a guess, I would say it's probably the first guy who built a bow and arrow. Oh, you're going
1: that far back. Okay, I'm, I'm going a little earlier than that. So that it's, um, it's M-H-O-T-E-P, the first engineer known by name and achievement is, I don't know how you pronounce that, but uh, builder of the Step Pyramid in Egypt, probably about 2500, uh, 2550 B.C., He's technically the very first engineer that came up with stuff, right? Um, how did engineering begin? The concept of engineering has existed since ancient times as humans devised fundamental inventions such as pulley, lever, and wheel. Each of these inventions is consistent of the modern definition of engineering, exploiting basic mechanical principles to develop useful tools and object. Um, what is the oldest type of engineering out there? Civil? Yeah. Civil. Often thought to be the oldest engineering discipline, civil engineering focuses on constructing, designing, and maintaining physical structures used by the public, such as dams, bridges, tunnels, roads, airports, subway systems, and water supply system. And I desperately need a proper civil engineer here in Toronto. If you guys can send someone, that'd be amazing. Because they're failing in all those categories right now. Dams, bridges, tunnels, roads, airports, everything. They're failing in all that stuff, right? So who was the very first female engineer? Edith Clark. I
2: have no idea, no. Edith Clark.
1: So she is the very first female engineer born in 1883. She created the Clark Calculator for uh, Graphene Electrical Properties. She used her inheritance from uh, deceased parents to attend college and study mathematics. So that's a little bit of history in construction. Uh, I also, sorry, let me do another shout out. I got to do another shout out to a plumber friend of mine, Rob from Galaxy Plumbing. He wants to help. Uh, They do rough in plumbing and installing plumbing fixtures, underground drains and water service, upgrades for underpinning projects, drain camera inspections before finishing your basement. The more complicated, the more Galaxy wants to help. Please reach out to them at uh, on IG, which is Galaxy Plumbing Inc. His email is rob at galaxyplumbinginc.ca, and his website is galaxyplumbinginc.ca. And of course, listen to his show on this show on show number thirty three, and you can get to his whole story behind everything. So back to you guys now. Um, where is the product going now? What do you guys? Because I'm assuming that it's has it gone past the integration point. Like the industry's already embracing this now. Like, this is
0: slowly. I mean, we pass we, me we, the we, hammer,
1: pass me the bolt rail, basically. It's it, we've yeah. gotten to that point,
0: not not yet. We're, I mean, we just started launching our big marketing campaign uh, last year. In the, in the spring, was the first time we started to get out and show it. Uh, and then the first big, big show that we went to was Vegas in January. Um, so it was very well received there. Um, we had really int- a lot of interest from guys who are doing industrial commercial work, but also uh, we had a guy who spent 30 years installing the elevator machines. And he said that, you know, those anchor bolts, they're always inch and a quarter. They're always, you know, they got to go in precisely. You can't bend an inch and a quarter anchor bolt straight afterwards, you know? So, no. and he, he had retired, but he said like, if you know, he wish he had this product when he was doing the task, you know, back then. So um, right now we're growing sales. We're talking to some retailers. Uh, we, we're trying to build, uh, demand and awareness at the same time as trying to, because if somebody wants to use it right now, you know, we have to send the product to them directly, but we're trying to get to a point and get the attention of, uh, some retailers so that, you know, we can work on the advertising and awareness campaign, but then the product is available in the showroom when they need it. They don't have to have it shipped from Edmonton, Alberta, which is where we make this product. Yep. Uh, that, you know, it's available, you know, companies like National Concrete Accessories, HD Supply. White I love Cab,
1: National. Yeah, they're
0: great. You know, I mean, if those guys could, you know, see this podcast, say, hey, this is a great thing we need to bring to our clients. Have you it's spoken
1: to them already or why, why wouldn't they just say, yeah, sure?
0: Yeah, we've we've tried. Okay. Uh, we just haven't reached the right guy. Uh, so, you know, you go to the trade show and, you know, you approach the booth and uh, it's very it's very difficult to find the right person, in a big company. Everybody's busy uh, and it's tough to do a cold call with an email like they really need to see this thing in person. And and have fifteen minutes with you, free you to explain that to you and whatnot. So I don't
1: I don't want to dismiss the concrete guys out there because I have a lot of respect for the concrete guys and girls out there that work in the industry. But anything that comes along that makes their day shorter and they can still get paid for the full day, they taking it. They're grabbing it. They're hugging it. They're using it. They love it.
0: Yeah, the the, <laughs> the guys who've seen it and who start using it love it. They keep coming back for more. Yeah, uh, and we're slowly growing the the customer base. But right now, like we're not in any retail uh, outlets yet. Uh, we're talking to a retailer in Atlantic Canada, a uh, big one in the U.S. right now, uh, and it's interesting because coming out of uh, coming out of the show in uh, Vegas, uh, we're talking to um, a distributor retailer in New Zealand. We're talking to a company in South Africa that wants to carry it. So we're starting to get some international attention uh, for the product, which is really exciting.
1: Well, I mean, America is a big concrete place so is canada but i mean i'm thinking globally you got much bigger markets that are just all concrete everything's mostly concrete
0: some countries are like that yeah yeah well like, you know we are not uh you know the united states represents about one sixth of the world economy so uh that's uh that's going to be a, a big market for us
1: so it was well received and then i guess now you're just and they're starting to use it you're sending it out there and sales are starting to grow yeah yeah, yeah, we've
0: got a job coming up uh, up near Cold Lake. We're just going to be shipping the product out uh, on ne- early next week. We've got a job on Monday where it's going to be used uh, about 45 minutes outside of Edmonton. Um, so we've uh, got a couple of companies bidding on big jobs, and if they land it, they want to use it. You know, we're talking 1,500-plus anchor bolts. So,
1: so any crews that are listening right now, just look at it this way. You can price it the old way, build it the new way, and make more money. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> that's true, yeah.
1: Basically, right? Oh, so, yeah. That's how well, it like works. Yeah.
0: I mean, even on a small job, we saw, uh, you know, we were getting reports from guys who were using it, uh, you know, savings in the thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. I believe it.
1: Right? So. Yeah. Back to the <laughs> elevator. I had a quick question. Would you have designed something that would actually be the footprint of the whole elevator? Like, that's the idea, is that you would just drop a boat rail that's the size of the elevator and then everything's lined up perfectly?
0: Uh, not not quite uh, so we've had some it, uh, we've had some uses where like if you're doing a big pad like that for the base of some big machine but you need to set anchor bolts in it yeah uh you can take something you know you can take one of the sizes of this uh we had a guy who wanted to do uh who did like a 14 foot wide footing or something like that but he needed anchor bolts in the middle um so he took a pair of two by fours and and screwed them onto the sides of this and you basically use this in the middle and use the two by fours to suspend across this big footing oh okay yeah so i mean you can do stuff like that um there's a way to actually even set anchor bolts in the middle of a a continuous pour slab with this thing uh you know you can suspend it above the slab where you're pouring you know if you have to have cast in anchors in the slab that's a difficult thing to everybody struggles with that if they if they get that kind of a job so um, you can just uh, just put some threaded rod in the ground and suspend a pair of two-by-fours. Uh, I see have it. Yeah, be, I totally
1: see it. Yeah, yeah. and then you
0: rest this on the two-by-fours, and those two-by-fours don't even have to be square or parallel or anything. You just got to get them somewhere in the vicinity. The, the adjustability of this thing uh, allows you to get those anchor bolts exactly where they need to go, regardless of what the uh, the support structure geometry looks like. So, um Tons of ways uh, that you can use it. If anybody's interested, you know, we, we can uh, provide information, pamphlets, booklets, there's stuff. you can Yeah, just Google reach out to you guys, account.
1: right? And then I, I was curious, do you guys want to share what the costs are behind these or uh, the parameters on price point?
0: Yeah, uh, you're in the uh, like mid 40 to mid 50, depending on the length you're buying. Okay. Uh, Canadian dollars. So, you know, st- starting with the shortest one around 45 and then going to the longest one around 55.
1: It's not crazy. So,
0: no, it's, it's reasonable. And, uh, you know, we're making it a pretty high quality material. So, and, and we've seen a huge increase in our material costs in the last couple of years. Uh, but that reusability and the, and the labor savings and the schedule gain, uh, you know, let's say you get a, a, you get a pair of them for 90 bucks, you get three uses out of it and you've done three pile caps at $30 a pile cap in about five to seven minutes of time.
1: It's a lot so, of money being saved a lot of time being saved
0: yeah it's it's way uh ahead of uh, current standards uh current costs
1: how many times are you seeing the trades reusing them are they getting as high as three times or are they even getting further than that
0: uh everybody's different um some guys i've seen uh you know up to seven reuses on a single job and they've told us that they could probably do two jobs with it you know If if you use it cleanly and take care of it um you know, we've heard guys say, oh yeah, we could get like 20, re- we could oil it and get 20 uses out of it. Then they start using it and they then, you know, a year or two later, they're like, you know what, like once we get two, three uses out of it, it's more than paid for itself. And like, you know, and then we recycle it and get some more. So uh,
1: I mean, it, I, that still, price point, like, it's, it's definitely paid for itself, right? Like I just, yeah. I was expecting a higher number to be very honest. I just figured that because of the amount of time and savings that you're putting into the task um, it would be worth more, but that's just me.
0: Uh, You mean like from a retail price?
1: Yeah. A retail price. Yeah.
0: You know what? We're, um, we want to bring it in at a price point where somebody will look at this and go, I was going to spend that much money anyways. Um, so, you know, but then I can get what, if I get one reuse out of it, I'm still way like way ahead of the game sort of thing. So we want to get it to a point where it's, uh, you know, it's like the, uh Kleenex of tissue, right? When yeah. when you think about setting anchor bolts, you're not gonna I mean the, the idea of buying lumber to chop it up and build a template that you're gonna use once and chuck doesn't make any sense. And hope it's straight. Yeah. So oh, yeah. We, we want people to not even consider that if you know if they can use this product, it makes it makes a lot more sense to do that. Reusable, fast, accurate, you know, better quality control. Peace of mind Peace of mind. Yeah. We, I don't want to, I mean, it, it's people, some, some people think this is a really simple task to set anchor bolts in place. No, it's um, not, no, <laughs> it, it, it's not, but not only that, but it's the last critical step when you're getting out of the ground, if you get your anchor bolts, right, the rest of your project falls into place. A hundred percent. Yes. If you get, yes. bolt, yeah. if you get yes. it wrong, then uh, you've got problems. And and the thing is like, if, if you can't stand the steel up when that, when, you know, when the steel erectors come and they can't stand the steel up, they say, okay, well, fix it and we'll be back. Right. Yeah. But I can't come back for six or eight weeks because they're booked solid. Right. Yep. So now you've got, you know, you can have weeks of delay. I mean, I know, we know one company that's being, you know, they were responsible for setting the anchor bolts, but their the mistakes in the anchor bolt setting uh, delayed the project by a couple of months. And, you know, when you're building a process facility and, and, you know, you knock two months of revenue out of the uh, client's pocket. Well, they're not going to be too happy about that. Right.
1: So, but if you save a bunch of money while you're using this product and then you're more efficient and you get out of the hole, that's the, when we're in construction, that's the one thing that we want to achieve. Once you start demo and you start excavating, the first thing you really, everybody's mind, get out of the hole, start building. That's what we want to do. That's the objective. Right. And then like you just said, you want to get out successfully. Right. And then you can start building the structure from that point. Um, I'm just trying to think of any residential applications for your product here or making Uh, it, not DIYer. I don't want to give this to DIYers. They just stay away from it, but I'm just thinking.
0: Well, you know what? It's, uh, I mean, even for, uh, do it yourself for it. It makes life easier. But so, I mean, I don't know how you guys build in uh, Toronto, but here in Alberta, a lot of our houses we have basements under everything. Yeah. So yeah, we're the same. Yeah. And, and it's mostly wood framed on top of concrete. Yep and you know some a lot of load-bearing walls not a lot of columns and anchor bolts in yeah. in uh, in the house construction here but if you're building in earthquake uh, zones uh you know west coast california i mean a lot of the structures there or custom homes that are you know out of the norm yeah you'll have call as soon as you have columns and anchor bolts, you know this thing has a place residential yeah. or not right so
1: you're anchoring you need it at that point and you go like you said you go back to the old way of doing it you got trades people who are just stack of wood, chop it up, form it, hope in a prayer. Right. Yeah. So we don't need the hope in a prayer anymore. We just need the boat rail. That's all it yeah. is. You pop it in place. <laughs> Basically is what it yeah. is. It's an easy, uh, that's why I love it. When I first saw it, I was like, this is, this is genius. This is perfect. Yeah. It's wonderful. Right.
0: But that's the thing. That's the one thing that uh, we hear a lot of uh, guys using it for the first time is uh, this is so easy. You know, that's, that's communicated a lot. So, you're working on a remote site, or you're working in a muddy site in spring, or after a storm, or something. The, you know, the last thing you want is co- complexity, and you're trying to build something on site. If this thing just goes off the back of the truck onto the form and it snaps in place and screws down, so. What else can so, you
1: share that you're working on? Because I'm, a, I can only assume guys like yourselves, like you, come up with something great. Now you got to come up with something else.
0: <laughs> we just we applied for another patent. Uh, nice, so, beautiful. Uh, but I, I'm, until the
1: patent comes through, I'm, I'm going to be tight-lipped about what we're okay, doing. No, but, no, no, but I'm, I I, yeah. I love hearing that there's, a, you know, like a, you're evolving. Yeah. I love it that you've come up yeah. with this, yeah.
0: We, we're developing another product, but uh, the one thing that uh, we're, we keep getting, uh, so this thing right now can handle up to an inch and a quarter inkable, and the one thing that we keep hearing at trade shows and when we show it is, do you have a bigger version of this? And so... For, for larger bolts.
1: What size are we talking about here? For what kind of structures? How much of a diameter uh, are we asking for? Yeah, one and a
0: half, one and three quarter. Up to
1: oh, two. wow, so, eh? Okay. Yeah. And, I mean,
0: because those bolts, you can't, there's no way those are budging once they're set, right? Yeah. And so, and they get pretty heavy. You can, you know, some of these things are six, seven, eight feet long, pretty big bolts. So we are looking at developing a, a heavy duty version of this uh, scaled up. Uh, thicker LVL, bigger, more robust, everything that would handle the next three sizes of bolts after one and a quarter. So that that may be in the works for the next in the next year or two. So.
1: And you'd be doing the same, I guess, increments of length, or no, you wouldn't need to go as small as uh, the smallest one that you have right yeah,
0: now. Yeah, we wouldn't have to go twenty six, but no. uh, you know, we might start at the thirty five or forty five and uh, and go up from there. So. And I, we, we were going to go to an inch and three quarter LVL instead of the inch and a half, uh, as well. So, I want to
1: yeah. I want to go back to the very beginning when you started building your prototypes at first. What were you were you just using two by four? Were you just using whatever lumber was in the shop or something? Uh, like that? No,
0: I no. I can show you. I got two prototypes uh, here. It's, uh, Well, oh, technically... Geez. Here we
1: go. Okay.
0: I'll show you the first one. We, we built this first proof of concept out of MDF.
1: Out of MDF? Just,
0: yeah, it's just machined MDF. Okay. But the, the original concept had um, had a groove where everything could sort of come out of. So the support and then the pieces that would hold the bolts were originally designed with uh, a flange oh, I like on that. the bottom. Okay. So they would, they would drop in, and then as soon as you got past that opening, they're locked on, right? So... Uh, but for manufacturing reasons, to make manufacturing a little bit simpler, uh, we, we went to a system that can just snap in from the top anywhere and then just screws down. So this, this was the first uh, proof of concept uh, prototype that we
1: built. You need, to, Arda, you need to sell that concept there for toilet bolts. For what? Toilet bolts. When you're installing oh. a toilet. They never stay in the same spot. And so they're always moving around. So if you can lock in those toilet boats, I'm just saying.
0: You know, you, you know what? There's, uh, <laughs> we, we've thought about making like really small versions of boat rail for like uh, all the electrical plugs and parking lots and things like that. So that's and, brilliant.
1: I think that's brilliant.
0: So, and then the very first uh, one that was uh, used uh, in the field was this. So we just wanted to see that if we had this product, and so you can see this is made out of uh, basically...
1: Uh, uh, glue-am or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, like uh, w- wood chips oh, and glue. Oh, yeah, an file.
1: LSL, like an LSL kind of material. Ex- yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so but this was just, like, we brought it to site, we set some bolts just to see, like, how fast would this go, right? And so I, I've got video of this, this first use, and the guys are putting it in, and it's a five-minute long video, and they're done. <laughs> And so that was sort of the the you know the first time we you know, thought okay if we got to site with a prefab template that was adjustable, but we didn't even have the 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 swivels in or anything like that right This is just made out of wood yep. before we had injection uh, molds. Yeah, how fast could we set four anchor bolts was the the question we were trying to answer, and we uh, we were five minutes. Sorry.
1: Five. You were doing it. You were taking care of it in five minutes. When the normal tradesperson was taking how long to do it.
0: Uh, you know, we hear anything from half an hour to two hours. Um, so on the, on the low end, um, if they're doing a really loosey goosey sort of a job, you know, some guys tell us you know, half an hour, most guys are telling us that it takes them half an hour just to build the template. Uh, and on the low end, by the time they position everything, 45 minutes to an hour, some guys are, you know, with bigger bolts and more complicated jobs up to two hours to get bolts set, build the template and position it and everything. So but you know, forty-five minutes to an hour is not an uncommon amount of time uh, to budget. Um, that first job that was that was uh, one of the first jobs where was used. You know, the, the spreadsheet they sent us. They had an hour and a half per pile cap to to build the templates and get everything positioned and hang all the bolts and everything like that. So that was in their estimate. You know,
2: but that already pays for your bolt rail because you have to pay that person for an hour, hour and a half. Yes, So wage build it and set everything so that alone already pays for a bolt rail right there and then if you reuse it it's you just it's money in your pocket yeah
0: once if you if you get past the idea of hey you know this is more expensive than the plywood that i'm going to use but when you start to consider the savings in uh, surveying the savings in labor the quality control the less mistakes the schedule gain etc it's just not even a comparison No it's uh, much cheaper and, and then you haven't
1: even there. you haven't even brought up time yet like yeah. time is the most valuable part of a construction site so it's just like you're already saving a lot there based on that just that one detail yeah. right huge
0: yeah it's very uh, significant
1: I totally agree uh, let me let me share a little bit of OBC talk here guys. Um, in a legal basement rental unit, what is the size of a window area for a bedroom any idea based on the OBC? Which is actually similar to your building code as well, too.
0: Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, no. 30 inch?
1: It's 5% of the floor area. So whatever your floor area is, that's the minimum OBC requirement is 5% of glass area. So for argument's sake, so if you've got a 100 square foot floor area space, you would require five... Uh, 5% of that floor area, and that's the size of the window you would need. That's the bare minimum. You can make it larger. Um, again, in a legal basement rental unit, what is the size of the egress unit required? Uh, so as per 9.9.10.1, Uh, under the OBC egress windows and doors for bedrooms. Uh, A is uh, openable from the inside without use of any tools, provides an individual unobstructed open portion having a minimum area of 0.35 meters square with no dimension less than 380 millimeters. And then the last point is maintains the required opening described in clause B without the need of additional support. So it's literally, if there's an emergency, you have to have this minimum space of 0.35 0.35 meters square and accessible without any tools or ladders or steps or anything like that to access it um and then the question is um are you required an egress window if you have an entry that actually exits right outside of the dwelling i actually didn't know this but you actually don't need an egress window as a secondary point exit point to to exit uh, a structure if the actual entryway is directly outside it gets you right outside so just something to note when you're building basements and you want to make them legal those little notes what else you guys want to chat about what else don't i know about boat rail i'm always curious about what else you guys are uh, dreaming up but i know you can't share uh, until it comes yeah, out. Yeah, no, we've yeah we we've got another product You can tell me after we that. stop recording, right? So, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> so we, and I won't share with anybody. But I mean, um, I'm always curious.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, I think the big challenge for us right now is is the awareness campaign, right? Because this is something that's never existed before. Um, but I mean, when when people who people who do this task for a living, when they see this, they're really blown away. Like this really makes life easy for them. So with the awareness campaign, we, we're trying to build up our customer base uh, so that we can t- attract the attention of the retailers so that when the customers want it, that we're not shipping it from here direct to them, that they can have it locally available, right? So that, this is our next big hurdle is uh, is to try and sign on some re- uh, retailers and distributors so that we can get this to more people.
1: Are you getting more uh, interest from this side of the country or from your side of the country? I'm, I'm just assuming with BC being a lot closer to you guys, they're using it more often, and they have, like you mentioned earlier, that seismic component, right?
0: Yeah, uh, Alberta, BC um, is currently, I guess, our biggest sort of market, but we're starting to get orders out of the States, uh, and then it looks like uh, we're, we've are we got samples uh, that we're about to send uh, to New Zealand. Uh, so we, we met a really uh, lovely guy, and he saw us online, he searched us out in, uh, at, at uh, World of Concrete in Vegas. Nice. And- Uh, he's been fantastic to deal with and uh, he sees a lot of potential for it in new zealand and so we're about to send him some samples so we we could become an international company here in the short in the next little while so that's pretty exciting
1: i love it that it's another great idea coming out of canada you know from people that are from abroad and then came up with it here it's just we don't want to tell the americans that just yet right just
0: well you know (laughs) what they they're uh, they've been it's, you know, we went, we were kind of worried, like, hey, are you going to embrace the Canadian product? They, they're really great. Uh, it's we, we were welcome with warm, uh, open heart. They love the fact that it's not made overseas.
1: Oh, really? Uh, okay. So, yeah. all right. That's a good point.
0: but And, and the other thing is, uh, you know, we have this, you know, we've got this great relationship with the United States. So, like, the LVL that we're using, a lot of it is made in the U.S. So, we buy the LVL. We make the boat rail. We sell it back to them. know maybe technically
1: it's a canadian u.s product right yeah yeah but i mean bottom line when they look at the numbers you can't argue it right that's the thing about it so we have to use it
0: yeah now if we can build up demand down south of the border i I could see uh, a a second manufacturing uh, facility in the u.s at some point you know it's it's very interesting like they have 11 times our population in the u.s compared to canada yeah but they have 25 times our construction spending
1: Really? So, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So this is one of the things that we we've we discovered when we were re- researching things. That's that the market in the U.S. is so big that for every one that we sell in Canada, we have the potential to sell 20 to 25 in the U.S. Wow. So it, it's not that they have a different attitude towards business in the U.S. And it's pretty great. Um, like they, they, they have 11 times our population, but they have, you know, a disproportionate amount of uh, business and construction happening. uh, So what's
1: going on in Canada? That's not like, or what's going on in the U S that's not going on in Canada. I don't understand why we're not ramping up our construction. We should be,
0: Uh, you know what this, I I have a lot of ideas about that. Part of it is I think just business culture. I don't think uh, we're not as friendly to business here in Canada. Uh, We make business a bit more difficult.
1: I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah
0: we have a very very large landmass we don't have the population right
1: well it's mostly concentrated in two areas basically yeah. um but i mean i love that well you're you're manufa- even though you're using some of the material from the us but you're still manufacturing in your backyard like it's yeah. being developed there right and then it's yeah. being shipped out of there which is yeah. great that you haven't uh, pulled that trigger saying we're going to go overseas and just take care of it there no
0: no we you know what it was important for us to do something that would help uh, our economy Um, you know, we didn't want to, we didn't want to farm it out to some other place, even if there was more profit margin in it for us, you know, but we do things well here in Canada. Right. I agree. And and when something happens, I can go and talk to the guys who are building it, or I can go and talk to the wood supplier or whatever, like that face-to-face interaction is important. But, you know, if we're doing something that's going to take off and make a lot of money, we want it to benefit Canada yeah. and the United States. Yeah. Well, all right, we live here. We got to take care of our
1: yeah. industry. So, can I ask a stupid question? Is the no such thing. is the, is the, well? My question starts with: Is the government uh, helping you guys out or being supportive or looking at this as an option? Like we should be, they, we should be contributing.
0: Yes. Uh, so when when we were ready to jump from a final design product into the manufacturing, there was a big cost there. Yeah. Um, and we, uh, it took weeks and weeks, but we went through an application process with uh, an organization called Alberta Innovates. Okay. And we got some uh, government funding that covered a portion of our jump into, and it made it, you know, it sped things up. Like for me to generate the revenue to do that would have taken years, but to get the grant and then having to contribute basically a quarter of it, it, it really put us some years ahead You know and it's great to hear that. yeah Yeah. so and there's all kinds of other incentives uh for marketing and getting products to you know overseas or foreign markets uh there's funding available for automation uh, purposes and things like that so um yeah it's great uh there's there's some resources there that we've relied on and hopefully we'll get a little bit more in the future for expanding so yeah
1: is that like i mean that's your office space right now but is the warehouse where else you actually producing is it right there as well too is it behind you no guys? no okay. no
0: uh, it's in a facility about 10 minutes away
1: okay and then you've got a staff is it a big is it just growing and growing is that the idea now
0: well it's uh no it's not huge right now uh but there's a there's a sales side and then there's a manufacturing side so uh and we're the sales side we're the we're the face of the product. We're the guys that you're going to call. Mel's actually our, our head salesperson, so yeah. if you have questions about the product or you want to make an order, you you reach out to Mel and um,
2: I'll but, provide all the information. Any questions? Ask or samples.
1: And yeah. where did where did the name come from? Like, how did you guys just come up and say that that's that's what we're going to call it?
0: Oh, we we were looking at all kinds of things, and uh, you know, in the beginning, um, Bolt Buddy was one of them and so there,
1: there's already a lot of bolt buddies on the job site
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah and then uh just we were thinking we we're bouncing ideas off uh and even uh from the guys who were at the government at alberta innovates uh we you know they were even helpful and like hey like you should pick something like this and like that um and i was talking to a, a senior guy at a construction company who was really a, a lovely man who was quite, quite helpful in you know, uh, when I was developing this and, and I was bouncing name ideas and marketing ideas off of him. And he was saying, you know, like, it's got to be very, it's got to be professional sounding, you know, all that. So, and one day I was just like, you know what, Bolt, Bolt Rail. And I, I called him up and I said, what do you think about Bolt Rail? And I was like, that's it. He's like, that's the name. So.
1: I do agree. It makes sense. It actually, it, it sounds legit. It sounds like a proper, it sounds like a tool. It yeah. sounds like you, you're grabbing a, a component that you need to build with. That's what it sounds like,
2: and
1: it explains the, the tool itself. It does,
2: totally
1: does.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's been quite a a fun journey to, to go through uh, to see it from like initial hand sketches to you know to a final product coming out. Um, you know, I have another prototype back there, but it doesn't look any different. It was we did some uh, pieces out of three uh, D printed parts. Uh, to test how things would fit and work uh, at, at some point. And so, what
1: did your uh, um, what did your dad ultimately say when he saw the final product and and through all the iterations of?
0: Oh, uh, you know, he's uh, he's been very encouraging from the start. Um, he's uh, he's got a never quit sort of attitude uh, in life and with everything. Uh, you know, I'm a first generation Canadian. Yeah, and uh, so I saw my parents. Uh, you know started a new life, in a, you know, we came here with a few hundred dollars and a couple of suitcases, you know, um, but he had, uh, he's a highly educated guy, um, you know, he had that to rely on. Uh, he was a university professor at one point, um, but he's just, uh, just inspirational, just a really good guy, never quit attitude, just hardworking, like you wouldn't believe, you know, so yeah, he's still encouraged. He's like, no matter what, he's like, this is a good idea. He's like, don't quit. You just, I'm like, there's no quitting. We're, <laughs> we're going we're going, we're selling, we're growing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're there. You know, uh, but he's he's really he's doesn't fit your uh, um, show, but he's developed some fascinating patented uh, ideas. What kinds the of chemical? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he's a chemical engineer, and he developed a very uh, novel, inexpensive way to settle toxic tailing ponds in the oil sands industry. Oh, okay. Um, and he just, hes uh, he thinks differently than everybody else in that industry because he's not a mining engineer. He's not a geotechnical engineer. He's got some really specific in-depth knowledge with water chemistry and things like that. Uh, but then he's also developed a process by which uh, to in- increase the efficiency of oil mining here in Alberta. We, we inject steam into the ground and suck oil out here for part of our mining. And okay. he's developed a way to make that far more efficient. So... The greatly reduced greenhouse gas emissions energy requirements water requirements uh and it's just the most brilliant simple idea he just he's got a really beautiful mind he just thinks very differently than most people so, I'm, I'm
1: i'm very respectful for your province because i'm seeing a lot of interesting innovative new ideas coming out of that province for like fuel and cleaning and keeping things proper and, and even your product and and what your debt, what you just mentioned there, I'm seeing a lot of that come out of that province. And I just, I mean, like I keep on joking about it. I would just love for it to rash over to the rest of the province, specifically Ontario, because we desperately need it.
0: Yeah. You know, we're, I, I mean, I, I think, I think we're a pretty hardworking province.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And there's a lot
0: of, uh, uh, innovative go-getters out here. Uh, it's a very, you know, we don't have a huge population. Alberta is only about 4 million people. Okay. Um, but, you know, there's some really, uh, you know, they, we have a very thriving business community here.
1: So let me ask you guys this. Arda, I mean, when you were assembling the barbecue and someone actually came up to you and said, oh, by the way, this idea is going to take you seven years, how would you have felt then? Because you didn't think it was going to take that long. Uh,
0: you know, I, I don't. it
1: wouldn't have changed anything. Okay. Um, the drive was the, there. Put, the passion was still there to pull it off. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I mean, I think two, two things, if I, uh, if for anybody who's just uh, thinking about launching a product and patenting something, um, the, the time required is one thing, and then the costs required were the other thing. Those are the two things that I was naive about. Uh, it's a, It's been a lot of work, uh, and there's been a substantial cost aspect to, to getting it to the stage. But if you're prepared for it, uh, and you get a good idea, I mean, even if it, even if this thing didn't succeed, it's been such an amazing journey of learning. It's been really exciting, you know uh, So even from that perspective, uh, it's been it's been a hoot. So, you're,
1: you're excited about the prospect in the next hundred years there's always going to be a boat rail on site. I hope so. I can yeah. see that. How can you not? See? I can see it. I could totally see that being. Well, you know, I mean, who knows?
0: Maybe in uh, maybe in a hundred years, it's a bunch of robots that are uh, working out there. Uh, uh,
1: but they'll it. still be <laughs> handling bolt rails. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, you never know. Maybe. Yeah. Be great. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. The the future concrete is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I think the like the first evidence we see of concrete use is about twenty five hundred years ago. Yep. Uh, when the mixing. Uh, you know, uh, what was it? Um, silica yeah. uh, with water, uh, you know, and it's, I think, the first use of it, they start to see it in Arabia and whatnot. But then it's just, a, you know, 2,000 years ago, it's the Romans that really sort of start using it.
1: In, Perfecting in it art. and, yeah, making it
0: a, a certain way, yeah. yeah. If you ever get a chance to travel, there's a city on the west coast of Turkey uh, on the Aegean called Ephesus. Okay. And it's a 2,500-year-old city, and they've been excavating it out of the ground. Uh, it used to be a coastal city, and the city died because the this being deposited the water just moved too far away and that and the trade died yeah um but it's a fascinating place and like you want to talk about civil engineering and ingenuity. I mean the roads are crowned to move water off of them after a yeah, rain I know draining into gutters it, uh,
1: the, the thought process cutter. back then was amazing that they were thinking that that that's what we yeah. needed to do. You couldn't make it straight. you had to make it crown,
0: yeah. And, and, uh, and pipes underground that carry the water away from the streets. Uh, uh, aqueducts carrying water to uh, like public bathrooms uh, to carry, you know, the waste away. Uh, two-story library, um, you know. I, there's a rumor there was across the street from the library, it was a, a brothel. There was a tunnel between them. So I, the men were like, hey, honey, I'm going to the library. And then they would go in the tunnel to the brothel. I, the I'm
1: going to blame the tradesmen back then. They were probably the ones that built the brothel tunnel <laughs> yeah. first, right? And then they did, took care of the aqueducts after that, right? Let, let's yeah. get the essentials done first. It's
0: a fascinating place if you ever get a chance to
1: <laughs> Is it to an abandoned it. city? No, it's not an abandoned city, right? It's just... Uh,
0: well, I mean, you know what? They have a huge amphitheater okay. that still is used to put on concerts.
1: Where is it? Because Um, I know that's your background, but isn't there a city in Turkey? um, It's it's a sound. It's underground. It's water, um, but it's a specific. um, uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Uh, I'm trying to figure out exactly where it was, but apparently, like it's it's the most precise sound environment that you can get into and the way it was built with water and stone and everything like that and I'm, I, I just the name escapes me right now but it is in i don't know if it's in istanbul uh but it is in turkey
0: no i haven't been to it but you know you're, you're talking about a piece of land that uh they're discovering the oldest earliest human settlements and yeah. civilizations every major civilization and empire has sort of left their mark on that piece of land so if you you want to go and experience some amazing uh, cultural things. I, mean, it's I would really love quiet.
1: to. Yeah. and the food and, and the, the coffee food, yeah. everything right it's just the food yeah. yeah prepare
0: to put on weight you if know, you
1: know. Go. no no you'll be walking around I'll that's make the make difference make we'll walk yeah. around and you'll burn it off right so
0: yeah, yeah it's, they have great food there yeah for sure
1: let so. me do a little bit of green book talk here i know that everybody knows that the fine for not wearing a hard hat in ontario is 250 bucks uh but how high can it possibly get if the mol agent wants to make it high then 250 bucks. It could get as high as a $1,000 fine for not wearing a hard hat on a job site. Um, what is the typical fine for not using fall protection gear? Penalties can be as high as $12,675 per violation. But inspectors wow. may adjust the fines. Uh, that depends on the seriousness of the violation. Uh, what are the penalties for non-compliance of OSHA? A person who is convicted of an offense under OSHA may be subject to a fine of up to one point five million for the corporation, one point five for the directors $1 uh, 12 months imprisonment. A fine of five hundred thousand for all other persons and or up to twelve months imprisonment. What? Uh, how much can a supervisor be fined in Ontario? Any thought? The
2: max,
1: half a million dollars, a supervisor. And they could also be jailed up to 12 months. That's uh, 0.66 the act under the, uh, the regulations. And then what are the four consequences of noncompliance when it comes to safety? Uh, it is punitive de- uh, fines, criminal proceedings, damage reputations, and sanctioning. So a lot of big corporations that work in construction are very familiar with these four. So I just want to share with everybody else. We always joke, you know, we've had a few guests on the show where they've been pinched by the hard hat. Minimum is 250 and max is 1000 bucks for not wearing a lid on your head, which you should be wearing a lid on your head, right?
0: No, it's an inherently dangerous uh, profession. Of course. So,
1: so we're talking to uh, Arda and Mel from BoltRail, BoltRail.com. Reach out to them at sales at com. Also Arda at com, and then Mel Jarecki, Jire- right? Is that right? My, yes. I, 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 trust yeah. me, I'm bad with names, Ontario, Drecky uh, at, uh, bo- at boatrail.com. And then also on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, find them. Uh, anything else you guys want to share before we do the final 12 questions? We talked a lot. You
0: did,
2: yeah. We'll be going to
0: the Dallas show. Oh, yeah. We're going yeah, to be at the highway show in Dallas, Texas in October. So there,
1: There's a highway trade show?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're. I mean everything that goes. I mean certainly it's not highways related per se, but everything they build next to the highways that gets bolted down. Yes. Uh, you know, so there's an application for all kinds of infrastructure. Work, uh, you know, for this product. So we're going to go and show it in Dallas, Texas.
1: When's that coming up?
0: Uh, it's in October.
1: In October. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. So you know, if you're in the area, come see us there, and. Uh,
1: I know that I've got a fan. She's always been bugging me to get to Austin because she wants me to build some things down there. And I'm like, I've never built in Austin. I don't know how I would start doing that, but I, I guess... I'm excited
0: about going to Texas. Yeah?
1: Uh, have you been before? Yeah. I haven't, no.
0: I I have this uh, romantic vision of this beautiful, uh, you know, place with deserts and, you know... I've been to Houston. Uh,
1: no, I, I've been to Houston and there's... Yeah. Uh, there's um, Red meat and everything. You order a salad, and red meat shows up with it without you even asking for it. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> so there's a lot of red yep. meat, right? But then, yeah, no, that's yeah. that's that was my recollection of uh, of Texas and Houston. But uh, guys, I, this has I been heard- great. Sorry.
0: Well, I was, uh, I heard a story about a, a it was an exchange student in Europe. And he was from Texas, and the, and the prof was having everybody introduce themselves on the first day of class. There's a lot of international students in the class. So I had a friend in this class who told me a story. And he was going around the room, and, and so this guy comes, stands up. He's like, I'm Tex," or I'm Bob, or whatever his name was. He's like, and he says, I'm from Texas. And the prof says, no. He says, what country are you from? And the guy was like, I'm from Texas. <laughs> so <I did> <laughs> so I, that part of it, appeals to me. I, think, I love the fact that they're so… Uh,
1: they're there. That's all it is. Yeah. yeah. Great people, yeah. but they're there. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right, guys, you ready for these 12 questions? I
0: think yes. so, yeah.
1: What is your favorite construction word? Bolt <laughs> <Fort-real. laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say
2: skill. Skill.
1: What's your least favorite construction word?
2: I failure.
0: And I, I'm gonna say code. because uh and there's reason for that because i i hear a lot of well i built it to code right so i hear that i just think you just you built it to the lowest acceptable minimum standard that you could build it to right
1: i know glass of water on the edge of a table at that that very corner there which brings up a point i'm just interesting is it worth entertaining the idea of getting this into code that's
0: a possibility uh we've had uh at the trade shows we've had people come from various uh jurisdictions who've struggled with uh anchor bolts on on projects and like you know what we could make this the standard in our yeah you know
1: i could see county
0: that. or town or city or whatever so yeah it's possible
1: interesting what turns you on in construction guys
0: i i've always loved to seeing this tangible real thing come to life uh, you know, it's really exciting to see it progress and and, and become finished. And once you're, fi- it's finished, this this thing that it interacts with the people and the community, right? It becomes an entity. So that's what I like.
1: Well,
2: and I guess achievement when you see it, like what you had, the idea that you had, and then it comes to your labor comes to fruition, and you see it, and like you know, it's going to be there. It's a great it's feeling. Nice. Oh, you achieved something. You can just move on to, you know, the next project.
0: In a digital world where everything zeros and ones, construction and buildings, this is a real tangible thing. It's, it's pretty great.
1: That's why I was saying we're ways off from the robots handling this. Like, they'll handle some, but not, not, yeah. not this. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. It's coming. What turns you off in construction, guys? Shortcuts. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I'd say laziness when people don't are lazy and then...
0: That's that's the German side of her talking.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I must say, like I like yeah, I am German, and my dad's always been like in the industry, and so has my grandpa. Like he built his house after World War Two, and like he took his holidays to get old bricks and uh, from like the war and chopped off like all the mortar, and his house is still standing today. So it's always that accuracy. If you do it right the first time, it will be there in time but when people take shortcuts or are lazy it's, it's, it's a failure from the beginning you're just wasting time and energy and someone else has to pick up the pieces so i, agree, I like,
1: agree totally it's, it's, it's kind of sad that we're not building we're not building it the way it used to be built and and yet we travel to see what used to be built and it's still there which is that going to be happening in a year, hundred years from now when we're traveling and looking at what's being built right now we don't know
0: most of the structures i'd say no but some
1: <coughs> what is your favorite curse word guys we haven't been swearing so it's up to you you don't have you can keep it clean
0: well i got a i got a phrase that uh a couple of phrases that i was going to share with you guys uh, sure. so uh, one of my friends used to say uh when the shit is free all the flies come out
1: so <laughs> i like that one <laughs> yeah.
0: uh and then just uh i was doing some work in a remote community here in alberta and there was an old guy and uh he threw out the phrase and i just thought it was the funniest thing i'd heard he said uh it's busier than a bull's ass in fly season (laughs) (laughs) so there you go this is an alberta
1: you can use that one down in texas too
0: yeah i might yeah i might throw that around (laughs) they'll love
1: that one uh mel
2: i guess i like the one does a bear shit in the woods you know ask that that's always a good one as well and somewhat clean
1: what's your favorite vehicle in the entire world
0: If I, I mean, my dream vehicle is uh, a Porsche 911, uh, but I got a sweet spot for a, and I had a Honda CBR 600 motorcycle when I was in my early 20s. I rode it from here to California and back. Nice. So that, that, that bike has a little sweet spot in my heart. So
1: how many clicks would that, uh, uh, that's a big chunk of change there, kilometer wise, there and And back, eh? No issues at all?
0: No, that, you know, that thing ran at, you know, 6,000 plus RPM for days. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a beautiful bike, very nimble. And, uh, yeah, it was a great trip. So.
1: Mel? Yeah.
2: Uh, mine is definitely the G-Wagon.
1: Okay, there we go.
2: And bulletproof or not bulletproof? <laughs> 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 well, here we don't need a bulletproof. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no. So,
2: uh, and Maserati. Is-
1: Which one. The Ghibli, I think, is that how you pronounce it? I'm not exactly sure. Okay, all right. Uh, still a Ferrari engine, I think. In them, they're, yeah, they're using Ferrari I engines in Maserati. Yeah. yeah. What's your least favorite vehicle? in The entire world.
0: Uh, for me, it's uh, it's a uh, it was a Hyundai hatchback that I rented in Cuba many years ago.
1: Pony. It- sorry would have been a pony hyundai pony No, it was smaller than that it was
0: like the about a little bit bigger than a smart car sort of thing it wasn't something that we get in north america
1: interesting okay
0: and uh as soon as you hit about 70 or 80 kilometers an hour the whole thing started to like shake and shimmy (laughs) Just awful.
1: (laughs) and then it just fear sets in right
0: yeah it was it was a bit scary and uh yeah so that was that's the one that stood out for me and mel
2: my least favorite car anything that's slow i guess i would say (laughs) (laughs) i get in trouble here because sometimes i think it's the autobahn but uh, it's not so anything that slow is we need an
1: autobahn we we need a trans canada autobahn somehow that we can just cannonball run right from one end to the other end that's all
2: It's great it's just it's so efficient when you're on there and you see people just they know the way how to drive everyone moves over and it just It flows, and people always hear, like, oh, it's the speed. It kills people. No, it doesn't. It's uh, bad driving.
0: Mel has a talent for getting speeding tickets, but also a talent (laughs) for getting out of them. Oh,
1: you know what? One usually Uh. caters to the other. (laughs) Uh, What construction sound or noise do you guys love?
0: I I personally like the uh, sound of uh, sandpaper on wood.
1: Hmm. I like that, yeah.
2: Yeah, sawdust. I like that. It gives me memories of my dad. I was working in his garage and working on stuff. So I think that's usually what I associate with that.
1: What construction sound or noise do you guys hate?
0: I'm not a fan of jackhammers. Yeah. (laughs) When I'm trying
2: to sleep in and someone's just.
1: Or pile driving. A lot of condo building and just pile driving, right? Right at 7 a.m. start.
0: Well, I was on a job site where they were doing that for some days.
1: Yeah. Okay, guys, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day?
2: One day. Um,
0: I, I have a big love of uh, analog film photography. Really? And yeah, my, my, my dream is to retire someday and become a, a printmaker. Uh, a photographer, landscapes and whatnot, and do, do make prints in a studio. And
1: You know those, like... I think we only have two here in Toronto. I don't know how many labs you guys would have there, but I mean, analog is is quickly dying.
0: Yeah, I, I do it by hand myself. But, oh, really? Uh,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: But there's there's all these uh, processes that have been lost into history that are really fascinating. So I, those are the, I'm interested in learning how to do these you know, very vintage and alternative ways of making yeah. print yeah. with old cameras and stuff. So that's my my dream. Nice. And Mel.
2: My also always lawyer. But then, you I want to be a lawyer than, one day?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first for this show.
2: <laughs> hey, that was always uh, on my bucket list. But then, I went into school to be a legal assistant, and after that, I was like, you know what? I think that's not my way to go. So,
1: what profession would you guys not like to do? Lawyer's been brought up a few times.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Politician for me. Yeah, yeah, that's been brought up a yeah. few times.
1: Yeah. Couldn't do it.
2: No. i would not want to be a teacher no nope. tough no that's a tough job yeah. yeah
1: it's a tough maybe
2: with little kids up to like grade one and after that i think that's it
1: and the last maybe. question if heaven exists what would you guys like to hear god say when you arrive at those pearly gates
0: the drinks are on the house
2: yeah oh, <laughs> nice <laughs> pool is ready for you nice
1: guys absolute pleasure having you guys on the show and i wish you guys all the success i love the product i, I anybody in construction understands that this is a great idea for the industry the industry needs it so I, I i wish you guys all the success and i want to see it grow and become just a norm that's it
0: thank you very much for yeah, your time and you. having us on today. yeah that's
1: great it was absolutely thank you for taking the time and uh, everybody reach out to them again please uh, find them on the website boatrail.com and all over linkedin facebook instagram yeah. under boat rail and then email them as well too at sales at boatrail.com and then arda at boatrail.com and then mel Jarecki at boatrail.com thanks guys yeah yeah thank, thank you very much May. thanks great- angelina we're out of here